Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Sterling White. Thanks for being on the show, Sterling. Hey, thanks for the invite and tune in, everyone. We're about to bring the fire. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. Uh, Sterling White uh, is an investor and business owner. He's been involved in the purchasing and selling of 100-plus single-family properties. Today, his focus is on uh, purchasing income-producing multifamily properties while scaling his 300-plus unit portfolio across the nation through the company he co-founded, Holdfolio. The success of Holdfolio's technology gave birth to Syndication Pro, a fast-growing, all-in-one software solution empowering investors to efficiently and easily raise capital online. Well, thanks again, Sterling. But give us a little more update about how you got into the real estate business and specifically, you know, why syndication? Yeah, so I started in the real estate field when things were not going so well. So 2008, 2009, I was on the construction side, getting my hands dirty. I've got some pretty hands, so it didn't last too long in that, that side of the business. And about two to three years, that's when I made the shift to investing, started with single families, and then ultimately made the shift due to the many benefits associated with multifamily, and then started the whole syndication model and putting these deals together. So what was it about syndication, you know, that made you want to to do that as opposed to just growing the single family business or maybe, you know, you had construction experience. Why not do more flips or things like that? Yeah. So I took a step back. I currently own just a little over 130 to 140 single family homes scattered throughout uh, Indianapolis. And through that, well, my partner and I own those. And through that, took a look at that, the infrastructure, it's fairly difficult, not only to scale that, but also manage all those. So that's when we made the shift to acquiring that 46 unit. And then that's when the light bulb went off to, to where this makes so much sense. And then now that's where we made the complete shift over the past couple of years to that model. Was the 46 unit syndicated? Uh, yes, it was. It was uh, raised through a debt structure about uh, 20 to 30 uh, investors in that specific deal. Wow. So purchasing, you know, you purchased, you own 130 single family homes now, approximately in Indianapolis area. Um, so you figured out it's hard to scale, hard to manage. So then you found that 46 unit. How'd you find the 46 unit? That was off market. So that's our, my primary focus, our, our business's primary focus, especially in today's market. So we went direct to the seller, uh, driving for dollars, saw the property was distressed, pulled the tax records, found the owner information. Ring, 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 gave him a call, and then started the dialogue from there. Nice. So let's break that down a little bit about, you know, tell the listener how how we can find deals like that off market. Yeah, so there's various various ways. There's, of course, what generally you'll see people doing now is going through the, the broker, the those relationships. But in today's market, the brokers are the cream of the crop. Everyone's going to that. So the off-market route is, I would say, optimal from my experience. So there's the, the cold calling approach. There's the direct mail to look 
to get in touch with these uh, owners. And then there's also showing up in person. So those are my optimal strategies in terms of being able to uh, follow up and also get in touch with these individuals. Nice. So we got cold calling, direct mail, and showing up in person. As far as cold calling, how how do we find that owner's number? Uh, that is so every well, their contact information is pu- is in public record, but the owner is the owner of that asset is public record. So if it's owned by an LLC, you can do some skip tracing. You can use a simple Google search. Oftentimes, you will have to do some further digging. And then after that, you should be able to pull up a name. And then that's when you can Google search the name. Uh, If it's mom and pop, you can do white pages. Uh, There is uh, other sources that uh, you can leverage to scrape data to find that contact information as well. That that could be a whole nother subject in itself, finding that. So when do we know to do cold calling as opposed to just direct mail? Or, you know, when do you go that extra step, you know, as far as calling someone as opposed to just sending them a letter? I would say it's good to have a mix of all of them, especially if you're not able to get in touch with them via phone call uh, and either you try and get in touch with them, uh, you have their cell phone or you have their landline or you've tried to go through the property management company. Then in that case, you need to go through direct mail and in hopes to get in touch with that person is just another way to, to follow up. And then also you can use other ways. Uh, LinkedIn is powerful. A relative. I've reached out to relatives on Facebook to get in touch with that property owner. And there's been a few times where they gave me their direct sale. So there's just all these different strategies you have to basically use to get in, get in front and get in touch with these people. So you actually found owners of a property uh, on LinkedIn? Yes, that is correct. And contacted them through messaging on LinkedIn? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Nice. What what kind of response did you get from that? You know, when you reached out to them? Not interested in selling. (laughs) It's it's a numbers game. It's ultimately a numbers game. So what I've seen is you're looking at anywhere between 150 to 200 properties. And again, our focus is multifamily 50 to 150 units, uh, mom and pop. So we're looking at 150 to 200 properties and then submitting LOIs on 10 of those and then we're getting one deal actually to close on out of that mix. So it's a, it's, it's comes down to numbers and volume. So you've had to learn to scale that a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. I was the one doing the calls and then now I uh, brought someone in to do the research. So to find the data and then someone to do the calls. And then now they just set the appointment for myself. So huge. Uh, uh, yeah, that's been a game changer. Nice. Nice. Tell us a little what about that conversation with that seller. What, what do we say? Yeah. So it's all about making that uh, big claim because ultimately, even though when you're in acquisition mode and buying, you're still ultimately selling. So you reach out and say, hey, Jim, I bought 123 Main Street. That's just three miles uh, away from yours. Uh, my partner and I are highly interested in purchasing your asset, closing 60 days. And it'll be no issues with us uh, being able to uh, make the transaction happen. Would you consider on selling? That's basically, yeah, very transparent. Nice, nice. Um, so you've had the conversation or maybe some that, that you haven't had the conversation with. You know, you're deciding to show up in person. When when do we do that? Yeah, so that is, and one thing I have to 
disclose to everyone is when you're doing this, you have to, the rejections, the no, just get ready for that and getting kicked in the face because that's ultimately what's going to happen. And through that is there is, let's say someone says they're not interested on, on the phone and you see that it is a distressed asset that they're just running into the ground. Then that is, let's say a month later, that's when you decide to go visit the property to get some FaceTime. Because one thing is they may have uh, said not interested because they get these calls tons of times. But if you go the extra mile, they see that you're serious. Or if the, the other route to show up in person is one thing I'll do is, uh, let's say someone is interested and they've kind of just been kicking the can down the road that I'll say, hey, uh, keep using Jim. I'll mention they could be in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm in Indianapolis. I'll be in town in three or four days. How about we grab a cup of coffee and just uh, just kind of talk about real estate in general? Oftentimes, I didn't plan on doing that, but if they say yes, I'm committing. So that's kind of how, the, in terms of getting into the trenches, how that works. Nice, nice. So a lot of times you've already you've already talked to the person or had some interaction before you're just showing up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. So, you know, moving into the uh, syndication aspect of the business just a little bit, because you went from, you know, single family, many single family homes. Now you've decided, okay, to scale, to not have to worry about uh, or the management, I guess, scaling management. You know, uh, you know, we're going to do syndication now. You found this property. Uh, you know, tell us some aspects of that, of syndicating that deal, maybe that, uh, uh, that you didn't know were coming, that you had to learn some, some maybe some hard things that, that you had to pick up as you were going? Yeah, I would say everything was all perfect and we structured it. I do, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> so the, the, the biggest learning lesson was how to exactly structure a deal was one thing that we was able to get some good feedback from our investor partners. So that was one thing. We actually had some troubles in funding uh, a couple of our earlier deals, and that was 46 unit. We didn't have so much in terms of structuring the deal, but the second one, which was a 50 unit, we got some blowback in ter- or some pushback in terms of how we structure that. So that was something that we had to overcome. And then also another thing is when you're putting in your performa, you can never be too conservative because ultimately there's always something that comes up that you did not foresee, such as you plan on being at 90% occupancy within 12 months. Well, it turns out that the winter time and construction just absolutely delayed the whole project overall. So now you're 16 or 18 months delayed. Just give it a rough example, but that's, you, you can never be, there's just too many moving parts essentially. So you mentioned it was hard to learn to structure that first deal. And then, and there's some, some problems structuring on the, on the second deal. Uh, you know, kind of lay out what you're talking about there. So like the first, you know, a listener that's maybe, you know, he hasn't done a syndication yet. He's maybe done a few single family homes, but looking to scale, getting into the business. You talk about structuring. What are you talking about? Yeah. So that, that I'll just touch on the second one. We did a straight equity split. So out of the cash flows, we did a, believe it was originally 75 to our partners and then 25% to us. So during that time, there was uh, more deals for, it it was more on the investor side in terms of they could go out and just shop around and find other deals. Now it's the other way around. Investors are having trouble finding deals to invest in. But with that is 
we later structured that to where we got less equity and we introduced a preferred return, which are, is your audience familiar with the preferred return? I don't want to get too complicated, but <laughs> we've talked about it, but go ahead and touch on it, please. Yeah. So in that deal, what we did was a preferred return of 8%. And then anything over that, I believe we did 85% to our partners and then 50, 15% to us. So that was something that we later learned that that was a standard in terms of uh, putting deals together. And that's what investors were used to seeing. And then once we restructured that and had to go through all the documents, then that's when investors started to circle around and say, okay, I'll be able to make this work. So you're saying investors were uh, a little more educated, I guess, than maybe you would have expected, you know, and then uh, you, you had to educate yourself about how this had to be structured for them to be interested. Was that accurate? Yes, exactly. For our level of sophisticated investors, what they were used to seeing and what we had presented to them was a little different. And that's when we structured it to something they were more familiar with. Returns were virtually the same, but I guess just from a marketing standpoint or, yeah, but that's how we just had to make that shift and that pivot. And then that's when things clicked a little bit more and worked. Nice. So you mentioned it was hard to get funding. Is that the same same thing there, what you were talking about when you said hard to get funding and had to uh, had some problems in the structure? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We had to actually end up closing all cash on once on that 50 unit specifically. And I think we were just less than only two to three hundred thousand dollars short. So we had to get a little bridge to have that money at the closing table when we could have had that investor uh, capital to do that. Okay. Okay. What's something else you learned in that, you know, first deal or two that, that every, you know, all of us need to know about when we start to do another syndication? Gosh, there's just so many different moving parts. Uh, to, to have the, the proper, to, to ensure that you relay the overarching business plan to the, the team members and stay on top of it, basically. So have weekly meetings and say, hey, this is our goal. This is our specific budget. And instead of, you want to trust those people underneath you, but still you want to make, ensure everyone is on the same page because all those moving parts, people cutting checks, that it can easily just uh, kind of uh, fall under your radar. How, how do you all communicate? Uh, in person. So a lot of our meetings that we have are, we do weekly with our construction team because we have our own house uh, construction as well as our management is in-house as well. So we have those now more frequent meetings to ensure that everyone is on the same page. There's still some things that, of course, uh, fall through the cracks, but ultimately we're, we're getting the ball rolling in terms of on the right path. So that's one thing I would uh, mention to your audience is just to ensure that you're keeping, keeping your eye on the prize and delegating the necessary work. Nice. So in your experience now, would you say it's harder to raise capital or to find the deal? Find the deal. Definitely. <laughs> nice. Um, so Sterling, what, what would you say is the top reason most syndicators fail? I just wrote an article on bigger pockets on that exact subject. <laughs> Great. So explain it to us. I would say one is, 
not having a software uh, specifically or a way to manage the capital raising process. So that's one thing to ensure that you're able to have everything in one place versus going to multiple avenues uh, to be able, let's say, a MailChimp, and then you've got Zoho over here, and then you've got a multi another software. If you have everything in one house, that allows you to streamline things and uh, be that much more efficient. And then the second one is not raising enough capital uh, upfront to take care of whatever the necessary capital improvements are, and then you run out of cash and now that's you have to go back to your investors, which is a huge no-no. I haven't ran into that, but I, I heard that could be a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's talk about those just a little bit. Not not having a way to manage the capital raising process. So how do you do that? Yeah, so we ended up just uh, put, what do you call that? Building our own software from scratch has a built-in CRM. It uh, has the, the back end so the investor can track their investments. Because that's another thing that we've seen now is nice. they're starting to be, it, investors are wanting to be more uh, knowledgeable in terms of the status of their investments and they want to be able to log in and see how things are progressing. So that's one thing. And so, yeah, we built that from, the, from basically from scratch and then being able to have investors come to your site and then also uh, invest in a specific opportunity that you have. So we built that all from uh, in-house. And then ultimately, uh, that's one thing that is our back office is basically taken care of so we can focus more on a, the acquisition side of deals. That's that's really interesting. So so investors can log in and they can see how their investment is doing. What, what's it going to tell them? Yeah, so it's going to tell them whether you're doing monthly or quarterly or uh, maybe even annually disbursements. So it's going to uh, track the history on, okay, they invested, let's say, 100000 and they've earned annually $10,000. So they have a cash on cash return of 10%. So they'll be able to track that over the duration. And then also when you cash out or uh, sell the property, and then you provide those distribution returns to them, they can see that on their dashboard as well. So they have that whole uh, overall investor experience, which ultimately uh, leads to uh, retention. And then they keep coming back to you investing. So I can see that being able to answer many of their questions before you ever have, have to have that conversation with them. Exactly. You know, So it's going to save you time there. And then also... Um, just them being more educated about what's going on. Yeah, investors are definitely coming, becoming more sophisticated. And now we're in the, what I would say the information age. So the more information you can provide them, to the, the better. Nice. And and so what before you created the software, what was the system you know that you had? You know, tell us. You know, if, if somebody's just getting started, how, how do they track all that? Yeah, so you can use spreadsheets. <laughs> That's uh, what we were formerly using beforehand. I would say we were looking at ultimately all, all kinds of softwares to avoid uh, the, the spreadsheet here. And then we had the MailChimp here. And then we had the, the MailChimp to take care of our email campaigns. So that, that's one route. If you want to take if you want to have everything and be old school, you can do everything offline, which is completely fine. So spreadsheets is good. Google Docs and Google Drive will be very powerful. You mentioned uh, another another way people fail is not raising enough capital for the capital improvements. And so, what's a good a good rule of thumb for us going forward uh, as far as how much capital do we need to raise? 
Yeah. So, so a great thing is to have when you're going through the due diligence period to have a line by line uh, uh, list of improvements that need to be or specific renovations that need to be completed to the specific property. So have a contractor go with you, uh, walk all the units or also perform and provide bids, whether that is a roofer, a HVAC guy. So ensure that you have bids in a line item on what uh, renovations need to be done. So you have that figure. And then on top of that, you want to also put a buffer of, let's say, 10 to 20% that you would raise additionally to take care of all those improvements. Nice. So what's the number one thing that's contributed to your success, Starling? I would say, gosh, three things. No, no, no. Okay, I'll give one. Uh, I would say a, a, a having a great team. And I would say the number one thing is my partner. So that individual, his name's Jacob. We complement each other very well. And through that is I am more of a branding, marketing on the deal acquisition side. And he also assists with that as well. But he's more of back office, financials, uh, spends tons of time in spreadsheets. So I would say that's a huge uh, factor for me is having a great partnership. So that's one thing I was mentioned to your audience is to not try and do everything yourself. Find someone who complements your weaknesses because uh, that'll allow you to go that much faster ultimately. Drop in bombs, little nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the, what's the number one thing we can do right now to improve our business, Sterling, other than having a, a fantastic partner? Uh, sales. That is, that is the biggest thing. And one person you may be familiar with him is Grant Cardone. I am huge on, well, not only following his content, but ultimately reading tons of books on sales. Cause I feel that even, I mean, it's an everyday life ultimately, but if you're looking to acquire deals, if you have that philosophy of how to build a pipeline, how to nurture a lead, if you have that and you've been able to hone in on that skill, that, that will allow you so much uh, in terms of uh, being able to, to scale your acquisition side and become a, uh, just acquire that skill. Nice. Tell us a, a book you recently read that we should all read. Uh, Predictable Revenue is a great book I recently read. Nice. Nice. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, Sterling, but uh, tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and, and Syndication Pro. Yeah, so you can learn about uh, myself and what we're doing at syndicationpro.co. And you can also reach out to me. I am a contributor on biggerpockets.com on their blogs. So you can reach out to me on there and I'm more than happy to bring as much value to you uh, ultimately because I believe that's what we're all on this uh, planet to do, help one another. Great. Thank you, Sterling, and thank the you know I thank the listeners for for being with us today, and we will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating fifty percent of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.